some dangerous large uh, carnivore out there. Yeah, I saw that bird pick a young deer off the road and fly away. And uh, it was just about getting dark and we started panicking, running down the bridge, not really having any clue of storing rocks in our vicinity, good sized rocks. And uh, I stopped long enough to get a 357 out of my backpack and look back and that's when I thought I saw one. Shane, how are you today? Hey, Gunnar, doing well. Uh, how are you doing um, this uh, beautiful Oregonian day? I'm good. I'm getting uh, psyched to to uh, attend Beachfoot next weekend. Likewise, I'm, I can't I wait. Uh, in fact, a couple, <laughs> couple of our listeners here, uh, uh, at least in our chat room, are going to be there. I know uh, Henry May will be in attendance. So, yeah, really looking forward to it. Todd Neese really puts on... A uh, fantastic event every year of uh, some of the, the best minds in the field and and, uh, and researchers from all across the country and from around the world. So I'm uh, really looking forward to uh, attending um, another Beachfoot. Yeah, and it's cool because it's, I mean, it's a laid-back atmosphere and, and uh, you can just, I mean, have conversations with folks that you would not get a chance to uh, run into on a normal basis otherwise. And, uh, uh, this will be like, geez, my, I want to say my fifth one. I know I went mm-hmm. for a few years and then I missed one. And then the last, I think this is the third year in the same location. Um, I know that two years ago we actually got to witness uh, a wedding at Beachfoot when Todd and, and his beautiful bride, Diane, got married. So mm-hmm. uh, that was quite an exciting event. Um, uh, actually, our friend Retman Mullis uh perform the ceremony so and speaking of Retman uh he uh has arranged he was approached a while back by uh, there's a a minor league baseball team in Eugene Oregon here that actually is the Eugene Emeralds but their mascot is uh Bigfoot and uh they approached him about uh put coming in and having participating in a in a, a Sasquatch awareness night I think it's coming up at uh, August 19th in Eugene. And uh, 
he couldn't do it at the time, so he reached out to uh, members of Big Phonology, which I am, and I know that you are, and uh, yeah. Todd Neese and I uh, offered to to participate. So uh, August 19th, if you happen to be in the Eugene, Oregon area and want to uh, chat with uh, Todd Neese and myself, uh, I actually will be throwing out the uh, ceremonial first pitch, so I'm going to have to be doing some. It's been a while since I've thrown a baseball, so um, I'm going to have to be uh, have getting some practice in before then. So. But uh, it, it's very fun. Fun night, yeah. <laughs> I, I I was joking with uh, Bruce Kelly. Like, you know, I'm just hoping that I don't throw it over the backstop and hit some poor little kid eating their ice cream cone. So, oh, jeez. Uh, <laughs> So, but no, I, uh, it, it should be a good time, and, and uh, Todd and I will have a table set up there, and we'll we'll be talking about, uh, uh, you know, about research and and uh, just general Bigfoot stuff, and and it should be cool. I'm I'm excited about it. Yeah, me too. It should be a blast. So, our guest today is Christopher Lau. Uh, Chris is a uh, has studied anthropology at York University and is a field investigator for the BFRO. I know that he attended a couple of BFRO expeditions um, back in 2006 and uh, again in 2008. And he uh, also a couple, I think, in Ontario, which Chris is from Ontario, Canada. And we've had quite a few people ask us about, uh, you know, Bigfoot in in Canada and and Ontario in particular. Yeah. So uh, so and he also I know has had uh, his own encounter Bigfoot encounter. So um, let's get Chris on and we can uh, get this show rolling. All right, Chris. Hey, Chris. Gunner and Shane here. Hey. Welcome to Monster X Radio. Hey guys, thanks for having me on. You betcha. Our pleasure. So. Chris, for for uh, people that don't know you, can you give us a little bit of background, um, how you got into Bigfoot, uh, that kind of thing? Yeah, so basically my father was always into the paranormal stuff, and uh, he uh, one day came up to me and asked me if I wanted to attend uh, an expedition with him with the BFRO because he had uh, been in contact with Matt Moneymaker, and uh, he wanted to – he wanted to do his own investigation into into Sasquatch and stuff. So he asked me if I wanted to tag along, and I said yes. And uh, that's when my, my passion for Bigfoot kind of just steamrolled from there. Like, I've always believed, you know, in, in Sasquatch and things like that, but um, I never really was uh, that into it. But, uh, yeah, that pushed me over the, the edge for sure. Oops. Sorry, I muted myself. So tell us. Tell us about you. You had a your own encounter, and you said it was in 2006. Can you tell us about that? Yeah. So back in 2006, uh, we had an expedition up uh, in coastal British Columbia. It was close to a town called Seashell, BC, and uh, there had been activity within that area um, in the couple months prior, and there had been. Um, some reports that had been given into the BFRO. And uh, so there was an expedition there. And um, so me and my father went along with Matt Moneymaker and a bunch of other BFRO uh, field investigators. 
And, um, yeah, so one night, uh, it was my father, myself, uh, another BFRO investigator from Ontario, Corey, and Guy, who was just a local, and he actually didn't even believe in Bigfoot or Sasquatch. He just, he was just kind of helping us, bring us to, like, the most remote areas, because he was, he was a local, and he knew the back roads really well. So we had we had to bring somebody that knew knew the area so that we wouldn't get lost just for safety. And uh, so this was about six in the morning, and uh, we were up all night, kind of just by our camp, and we were hearing a lot of things, a lot of ho- hooting and stuff like that. We weren't really sure what it was, but it was kind of far away, and uh, whatever it was was kind of like it knew how, how close it could get to us before us knowing exactly, you know, what, what it was that was there. They were very, very tricky, elusive things. I, I, I believe that, that it was uh, the Sasquatch that were playing games with us, maybe just curious to see why we were in, you know, their area. And this area was called, um, it's called Big Sur. And it's, uh, it's in a pretty elevated area, uh, in around the seashell area. So this was around 6 a.m. and uh, everybody woke up early and uh, Corey went to make coffee and as he was making coffee, he heard some rustling behind him in the trees. Now we were like in pretty deep uh, bush, so we couldn't really see like what was ahead of us. It was, bare, it was hard to see even like 10 feet because there were such huge trees everywhere. So Corey uh, starts panicking, saying he hears something uh, running, and it sounds big. Uh, so he wasn't, But he wasn't sure what it was. It could have been a bear, cougar, mountain lion, I'm not, I don't know. Uh, so he ran into the car. He ran into one of the cars. We had two cars parked. He ran into one, and he was saying, there's something, there's something around here making some noise. So I was actually in the, car, in the back seat of the car. I was just laying down, and uh, I stuck my head out of the, the sunroof to hear what was going on. And that's when I started to hear what sounded to me like grunting, um, almost like panting. What it seemed like was whatever it was was running, and maybe we caught, it kind of passed by us and was curious to see what was going on and, and stuck around. And it, from what I felt, I don't believe it liked that we were there because it, it sounded like he wanted us out of there, whatever it was, and it bluff-charged us. The only thing was it, when it bluff-charged us, we couldn't, see, we couldn't see it because it was behind these deep pine trees that were like standing over 20 feet tall and there's just, it's just all, all bush. So we couldn't barely see anything in front of us, but we could hear it. So the thing bluffed us, but we couldn't see it. We just started running at us really fast and then stopped. And then it, it made this noise that to me sounded like a gorilla. It was like a, it was like deep breathing, and like at first, I wasn't sure what it what it was. Like it it, it could have been it could have been a bear, I guess, 
But whatever it was, it was really smart and it knew what it was doing. And I, I feel that a bear wouldn't do that because there's so many times we've, we've encountered bears and, like, almost 99.9% of the time, they run away as soon as we see them. So basically that was, that was my encounter on, uh, in 2006. Yeah, I understand. Yeah, so you didn't actually have a visual, but you had something. Uh, and by the way, Big Sur is, a, as you know, is is a fairly well known area for possible Bigfoot activity. So um, I'm just throwing that out there. But yeah, so you had this, you had this, uh, this thing, you know, seemed to be bluff charging you, and you said something pretty, uh, pretty interesting to me personally uh, when you said that um, you felt that. Uh, this entity, this thing, knew exactly how close to come without being, you know, basically seen or uh, discovered, correct? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, that, it, it, it showed intelligence. Yeah, that. It, right, I got you. Yeah, and uh, I, I work with the Lint Project, and that's something Derek Randall is one of the founders of Lint Project always says uh, that it's always stuck in my head, you know, uh, that he believes Sasquatch knows just how far uh, – to stay back without being discovered so that it can come in but yet retreat and stay uh, stay well concealed. And that, that was an interesting point you made and something that resonated with me. So, but um, Now, your work uh, with the BFRO, now you, you, you said that you kind of always believed in Sasquatch, but what does that exactly mean? What, what um, before you got involved with the BFRO and, and you had this, this possible encounter, so, I mean, what really... Uh, what really resonated with you, you know, evidence-wise, um, whether it's in books, video, audio, what what kind of stuck out in your head growing up that Sasquatch may be real? Uh, for me, it was personally the, the Patterson-Gimlin film. I've always been stumped on, on that video, and I honestly believe that it's, it's actual footage. Like, in my mind, I don't know how anybody could – could just could make something up like that in 1967 and and do it so well, like like if you've seen like the M.K. Davis uh, recreations of like you could see like muscle movement and like like the intricate details of of, of like in in, the, in a 16 millimeter film. It's just it always boggled my mind that yeah. you know this is possible. Like uh, you know, it's never been debunked. And, like, I know uh, Roger Patterson's credibility was a little shaky, but, hey, it's 1967, and, and I've heard that George Lucas himself said that he couldn't uh, make whatever it was that was filmed. He couldn't recreate that, create, recreate that at that time. So that just right. that, it speaks volumes to me that, you know, I, that something is, is out there. And uh, maybe it's just really smart, and it, it knows that what it can do and yeah, it just—it's uh, just—it's lived along beside us, uh, elusive, and yeah, I just—that's—that uh, yeah. that stands out to me for sure. Yeah, no, I—I I absolutely agree with you 100%. You know, uh, um, the Patterson film—you um, know—it's argued that it's hoax, uh, and it's argued that it's true. Uh, in the end, it—it it doesn't matter per se nowadays, uh, but. Uh, it's always com- been very compelling to me, and having uh, met Bob Gimlin and, and and considering him a friend now, and talked to him um, over the years uh, 
I have to. I just have to believe that it's real. I just, you know, it just. I don't. I'm not seeing anything come out to say otherwise, and it screams Bigfoot to me. But having said that, you know, um, in your uh, when you went on your your initial uh, trip out with the BFRO, you know, uh, did did the the uh, you were out with MoneyMaker, Matt MoneyMaker, and uh, I mean, what what led you to want to join the BFRO? I mean, did you like uh, the fact that you had um, an encounter with the BFRO, or, or was it you liked the way they researched? What brought you into uh, wanting to join the BFRO? Well, personally, they were like the only organization that I knew of that actually uh, researched at the time. And uh, I don't know, I guess they were kind of like the bigger, bigger organization uh, with a lot of members and they had a big database as well um, to look back on. And uh, yeah, I just, I met a lot of interesting people, um, other field investigators that uh, I've got to build relationships with. And yeah, like uh, I just really enjoyed going out on the expedition, spending time out in the wild. Cause at the end of the day, even if we don't have any encounter, we're still out in the woods, you know, and it's, it's beautiful out there and, and, me, I'm stuck in Toronto most of the time, so I'll take any chance I can to, to be out in the wild. <laughs> Absolutely. It's better. Being in the woods in the wild is better than a, a day at work any time, uh, especially if you're in a, a major metro, metropolitan area or whatnot. Uh, you just got to get out, and uh, I'll tell you what, I absolutely agree with you again. <laughs> it's just great to be out in the woods. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, uh now, so what have you been up to uh, since 2006? You know, you joined the – what was your initiation in the BFRO? I mean, uh, you've done some expeditions now and whatnot, uh, trips out to the field. What was your – how did that all get to be and start? Yeah, well, uh, basically I didn't actually become like a field investigator for them until around about 2009. Um, yeah, Basically, Matt Moneymaker just asked me if I wanted to to help out uh, with Ontario's um, reports because um, BC has always been number one as far as Canada goes in in regards to Sasquatch reports, but Ontario isn't that far behind. And uh, Ontario is actually really big, uh, and the amount of bush that's up up north is it's ridiculous. And it's there's a lot of land that has never even been touched. And, uh, yeah, uh, there's been a lot of activity in the last maybe 20 years, um, mostly concentrated within, like, northwest Ontario. Uh, as far as credible reports go, uh, I feel uh, the most credible ones are up, up north in, like, areas of uh, Concord, Kenora. It's almost getting to, to Manitoba. But, uh, yeah, like... Ontario is so big that, you know, there, I, I feel that it's it's possible that uh, Sasquatch could live in, in the forests of northern Ontario and we wouldn't even uh, be able to tell. Yeah, you know, one of the things about Ontario, well, and well, we have the same issues down here, and I'll I'll be I'll be pretty blunt about it. Um, there there is some what I considered hoaxers. Uh, those that uh, hoaxers, those who just get a kick out of uh, messing with uh, the general public that are 
you know, enthusiastic about the subject of Sasquatch. Have you ever run into or been contacted by any incredulous people? Yes, definitely I have. <laughs> um, especially because uh, Toronto's so big, right? And, and right. Ontario's right. big, and there's, there's a lot of, uh, you know, crazy or, you know, maybe not thinking straight people out there and they like to mess around and yeah, I've, I've, I've met a few, but, um, you learn to notice, you know, like when, when I see a report, I could tell right away just by, even just by grammar, if these people are, are, are real or not. Um, cause, cause a lot of the reports that are fake, they're just like, they're not very intelligent people that are doing them. Right. So it's, it's kind of easy to tell, but, um, yeah, you do get a lot of these, uh, nut jobs or whatever you want to call them. Yeah, they're they're a dime a dozen, you know. Somebody in our chat room just mentioned. Have you ever has Chris ever met Todd Standing? Uh, have you ever met Todd Standing? I know he's a uh, you he he kind of went. I, I had a chance to meet Todd Standing uh, at the Sasquatch Summit uh, a couple years back. But uh, have you ever run into Todd Standing, or is that ever um, anybody ever ask you about Todd Standing's uh, supposed evidence? No, I've never met Todd, but I've. Uh, followed some of his research in the last whatever ten years, and uh, I don't know what to make of him because, uh, a- according to a lot of other uh, investigators that are into Bigfoot, uh, they 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 feel that he's he's just uh, he's uh, I don't know he's he's not he's not a uh, good a good uh, member of the or a good representative representative of uh, the Bigfoot community. Right, right. But I've never met the guy, so I I don't know. I I don't want to speak. You know, about him, but like poorly about him. Yeah, I I can honor that. That that's that's fantastic, and kudos to you. Um, now, you mentioned earlier your father. Um, one of the things that kind of got you into Bigfoot was your father, and he was kind of involved in the paranormal. And I got to ask you, uh, does do you, do you believe that Bigfoot has, there's a possibility Bigfoot's paranormal, or does that play a part in anything you do personally? No, I don't. I don't tie the two together. I think if if Sasquatch does exist, he's a it's a flesh and blood creature, and mm-hmm. uh, yeah. I, I don't really like. I, I know that people go with say the that you know Sasquatch has telepathy or ESP or something like that. Like I don't know about that. Um, right. But as far as my father goes, he he was really into like aliens and ghosts and and like. Things like Sasquatch as well, and and like there's there's been Sasquatch sightings in China for thousands and thousands of years. You know they have the Yaren, the Wild Man. So my dad, growing up as a child, would read books about that, about the Wild Man. And then when he came to Canada, he was like, "Whoa, they have they have Sasquatch here." So you know it's uh, I think that's where it, it spawned from there, and uh, yeah. Yeah, no, I appreciate that. And I, we're on the same page. Uh, I don't personally believe Sasquatch has any paranormal capabilities, nor is it paranormal. Uh, it's uh, flesh and blood, in my opinion. I know um, uh, there are those that will disagree with me, and that's fine. I've just not seen any evidence to the contrary. Everything I've experienced, uh, and I'm sure you as well, Chris, has um, involved flesh and blood uh, even if uh, some of our experience are sasquatch is still flesh and blood so i can appreciate yeah. that and I, I believe our listeners can as well so um now you being with the brfro uh, how many um how many reports have you 
dived into and and sought out. I mean, how much time? I mean, I'm sure you're like many of us, where you you have a job and you have a family and life and whatnot. Yeah. How many reports? How many reports uh, have you gone out and and out of those reports? Any any really any of those reports that you'd like to share that are really interesting and if you saw any similarities in other reports or just something that was just wow. Uh, um. Well, I've done about I've uh, like if you go on the VFRO website, I've maybe helped put through five to seven reports, not that many. But um, there's been some that have been outside of Ontario that uh, that really caught my attention, and um, one of them was in in the Yukon actually, and the person who was who was reporting it. Uh, he was an older gentleman, and uh, he held a really uh, high position uh, in a major corporation. And he always wanted to tell this story because he saw this thing as a kid. And, um, yeah, it, was, it, it took him a long time to come out because not a lot of people want to come out and say that they've seen Sasquatch because it might ruin their credibility or, you know, make, make people look down on them or... You know, so, you know, this guy coming out and saying that he, he witnessed one as a teenager up in the Yukon, it, it really stuck out. And the, the story was just, it was very real. It, it wasn't, it didn't seem like he, it was like a fabricated story. He, he just explained how he was fishing and uh, uh, Sasquatch was walking. Uh, and he, he said it was, uh, he, he felt like it was an adolescent Sasquatch because it was skipping. It was skipping around. And it started scratching its back on on the bark of a tree, and then as soon as it started scratching its back, he just took off. He ran away. Now, like you know, the story is not like you know a whole you know big spiel about you know Sasquatch chase, chasing him or throwing rocks or whatever. So like um, everything was just like wow, like I really believe this person, and mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, and. And there's not too many of those um, reports that I've that I've covered, but um, yeah, those are the stories that I love to hear and that I, I want to research. Unfortunately, like I can't go up to Yukon, and it would be pointless to go there anyways because his, his sighting was like in the 70s. Mm-hmm. Um, right. But yeah. Uh, yeah. Do you get? So, I mean, do you get a lot of reports? Do you personally, or or most of the reports that you you um, look into are on the BFRO? Uh, in the BioPro site. Yeah, most actually all of the the reports that I, that I deal with are all through the BFRO site, and uh, yeah, I I look into like uh, the the neighboring provinces as well as uh, the territories up north. But um, yeah, there's there's definitely been some interesting reports within Ontario. Um, for the most part, I would say Northwest Ontario has like the most credible reports because you have some people reporting stuff like off the 401, which is like a major highway here, and there's like you know suburbs and stuff like that. So it's hard to believe uh, someone reporting that. Um, right. Then uh, yeah. Yeah. Gunner, you had a question. Well, I was going to ask Chris. The um, Dr. Meldrum did a couple of episodes of Monster Quest up your way um, at, uh, what is that, Lake, I mean, Lake Snowgrove or Snowgrove Lake. 
Have, yeah. have you been up to that area? No, I have not. But um, apparently, I, I uh, what I've heard is uh, like I saw the show, the Monster Quest show, but apparently everything they said in the show wasn't factual about how far they were from the nearest town and stuff like that. I haven't looked into it myself. I um, I saw the, the show. It looked interesting and stuff. And I, I love Dr. Meldrum and all of his work. Um, I'm just not sure about that whole scenario. It was cool, like, to see the show and what they were claiming, the rocks being thrown at, at, the, at the houses and stuff like that. But uh, mm-hmm. I, I, don't, I don't know what to make of it, to be honest. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, you know uh... – I, several years ago, <clears throat> Dr. Meldrum came up to the Olympics and was, was out with us with the Olympic Project, and I, that show was in the back of my head. I asked him a bunch of questions. So you're right in a lot of aspects, Chris. Uh, there Certain things were kind of blown out of proportion a little bit, but there was so much not included in that episode that was – I don't know why it wasn't included. It was actually a lot of phenomenal stuff uh, uh, and some funny stuff too. Uh, but uh, that – I wish – that's one of the, that was one of my more favorite shows that came out in the, the, these recent years. But there was a lot more to that story that led credence that Sasquatch may be in that area, and that in fact they were dealing with a Sasquatch. Yeah, I, I believe it's possible. But I, uh, from what I've heard, that uh, the whole story was kind of uh, maybe embellished or they bended the truth a little bit. But um, yeah, I don't. A I don't TV know what? Sure. A TV show <laughs> embellishes. embellishes. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, it's, it, it's probably, I mean, pretty typical if you've watched any any TV, quote-unquote, reality TV shows. Um, and, in fact, that, you know, uh, I know Matt Moneymaker pretty well and talked to him after the first season of, of Finding Bigfoot. And they, the, the crew was actually, or the, the cast was actually ready to walk at one point with some of the shenanigans that took place in that first season. And, and uh and made and, and as the show got more legs and more popularity, the cast I think put down some were able to uh, make make some more uh, demands on what they would accept as as uh, that they wanted things to look like they were not not leave uh, speculation when they knew um, that things w- weren't Bigfoot that they didn't leave it open ended. You know, and that 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 was yeah. that was that first season for sure. So, but but TV show reality TV shows are are for entertainment. So, but yeah, it's unfortunate right. that yeah, if they had good stuff in that Monster Quest episodes that they you know that they felt the need to embellish the details around it. So. Yeah, it's hard to to get credibility if you're not going to be, you know, all the, all truthful and stuff. And if people find out that you're not being truthful, it's kind of hard to believe everything you say. So, right. Gotta, yeah, gotta it's kind of all hard your, to, yeah, yeah, it taints everything that you're doing. Yeah. Yeah, but um, I like like I said, Jeff uh, Jeffrey Meldrum's work uh, is it's amazing. Like. Uh, I, I believe in, in, in his theories with, you know, the mid-tarsal breaks and stuff like that. And he does really good work. And, uh, like, the one thing that he says is uh, the, the, the one thing that keeps him going is, is that they constantly find prints, right? And, and I don't know, is there someone that's out there wasting their time hoaxing these prints, these well-done prints? So, like, that, with along with the sightings, 
definitely keeps me going and interested in, in, in Sasquatch for sure. What about audio? Have you, uh, is there any audio out there that, um, gets you going, gets you thinking, wow, that, that was fantastic audio. And have you recorded any audio yourself? Uh, you know, you mentioned, um, the grunts up at Big Sur and, and yep. whatnot. And I, I've got quite a few recordings of grunts and it's one of my favorite things to record, uh, when, when it's presented to me and I'm able to record it, but is there any audio out there that you like personally and, and have you recorded any audio yourself? I ended up recording the grunts. Uh, I mean, it's the thing is I recorded off my camcorder. So the audio isn't the greatest, but you could still hear it. The only thing is it's very short. It's only about like three seconds, four seconds. I I basically got the end of it because I wasn't fast enough to bring my camera out. And we had heard a lot of the grunting before I got my camera out. And then I caught the tail end of it. Um, But as far as sounds goes, um, some some interesting ones like the the Yakima one, that, that screaming one is very interesting to me. Um, the Sierra sounds, I'm not sure what to make of those. Um, uh-huh. they're really interesting, but I have no idea. Like I, cause I've never heard anything like that myself. Right. Um, but they're definitely interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You, you also mentioned though, when you're out Big Sur, the, that you got the, and I forget the exact phrase you used, uh, or sound you used for <sighs> what you thought it sounded very primate like, uh, that's that's interesting to me too, because um, I, I I've recorded and heard a lot of recordings. Uh, when people say, I've had a ton of people come at me going, they're not they're not a primate, they're you know, uh, or mm-hmm. anything to do with primate, blah blah blah. Yeah. But yet, quite honestly, the recordings that I've captured, the recordings I've heard, um, that especially the ones I can't explain, uh, but th- they sound so primate. Uh, you know, your ooh, ooh, ah, ah, you know, and your your grunts and. Uh, and you look at um, known animals, specifically uh, primates, gorillas, and whatnot, and they're almost a dead match in a lot of aspects. I mean, for me personally, it screams uh, non-human primate, primate, uh, something of that nature. I mean, is that kind of what you, is that kind of where you fall, especially with what you heard up at Big Sur? Yeah, um, the first thing that ran through my head was there's a gorilla behind those trees. That's the first thing that just, I was like, it sounds like a gorilla. Like, and I was like, why is there a gorilla out in the wild? And, and why is it trying to, you know, get us out of here? Um, it was really, it was, it was freaky. It made, it made the hair on my neck stand because it was just so odd. And I don't know, like, um, yeah, like it, it, to me, it, it was a prime. I felt like it was a primate, and uh, yeah, I I strongly feel that that was a Sasquatch, and it was you know trying to tell us, hey, you're in my area, get out of here, uh, you know I don't want you here, and uh, mm-hmm. you didn't want to show us because you know who knows maybe they've 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 you know human they've had uh, bad interactions with humans in the past, and you know maybe they're just not willing to come around and, and show themselves. Yeah, indeed, if, if you guys did come across a Sasquatch, I mean, what, what was the scenario there? I mean, maybe you guys came across an area where Sasquatch had bedded down or had a kill or was hunting, or if it was a Sasquatch, just, you know, hypothetically speaking, you know, uh, um, sounds like you guys may have been, uh, came across an area where uh, something really didn't want you in there, and, and it tried to 
without showing itself, tried to uh, spook and scare you guys out of the area, which is a common um, reported occurrence amongst um, Sasquatch uh, experiences or reported Sasquatch experience. And, that, and that's that's intriguing. Yeah. And to be honest, I, I didn't know that it was actually bluff charging us because um, I just knew whatever it was was running and then it would stop. And it's and we could even hear it stop because it, it it had such heavy steps and you could just you could hear the the ground just and the, and the trees even as well like rustling, whatever it was it was big because it was moving the trees along with it and we could actually even see the trees move the the tree line we could see the brush move, but we couldn't see whatever it was because it, it just it knew where to stop it knew where that if it stopped right there. They were safe, and um, it wasn't until later uh, I was describing the the encounter to other investigators, and they, that's when they said, "Hey, that you just you got bluff charged," and uh, so yeah, uh, that's an interesting part there. Yeah, no, it's very interesting. Uh, you know, uh, did any of you guys uh, at that time, anybody in the group, want to actually go towards uh, what you guys were hearing and seeing? No, we were all so scared <laughs> that we were inside the cars. Yeah, like uh, we were in the cars. We we didn't want to get out. Like it, when when there's something there that you don't know, you're just so scared, right? Like so, yeah. But um, I've never had an encounter like that since, and uh, I've been hoping to. But you know, it's it's really hard. I I, I actually feel very fortunate that I, I had an experience like that because there's this. People out there like, uh, you know, Rene DeHinden, who's spent, like, most of his life out in the woods. I don't even think he's had – he's even heard anything. You know what I mean? So, uh, yeah, I feel really blessed. And, uh, yeah, it's it's like uh, – it's kind of like – almost like a fluke because it was, like, my first expedition. And, like, a lot of people try to tell me, oh, the BFRO, try to set it up and do this and do that. But I don't think so. I don't – there's there's no way. Like, maybe it's a possibility, but I – I highly doubt that. Yeah. Let me comment on that. Two things. One, uh, it always cracks me up, and uh, I'm at the point now where I will do this, uh, you know, really depending on the situation, but for the most part, I will do this. I, If something's going on, like what you were, you have going on, I'm, I'm going to be prepared, and I'm going to – and I know you weren't at the time, and don't get me wrong. This is not a, a, a bash on you whatsoever, but I, I will run at it now and at least try to get something, if, and perchance I'll get nothing. But it always cracks me up when people go, oh, you know, why didn't you walk towards it? Why didn't you run towards it? Well, you're not there in the – these things I – mean, I mean, even if you came across a bear, for frick's sake, that's, you don't yeah. want to run up on a bear. Uh, you don't want to run no. up on a moose. <laughs> you don't want to do that. That's that's dumb. Yeah. Uh, and and <laughs> when you got that sort of thing going on, it's freaky. It is freaky. Uh, second part of this is um, I've been out with the BFRO, and um, just like any any organization, any group, uh, whether it's Bigfoot related or not, you're going to have your your your, um, your your bad seeds, you know. But uh, yeah. I've never been involved where uh, uh, or seen anything to say that uh, BFRO is hoaxing or, or trying to put one over on you, and especially in an area like that, uh, you know. Um, Especially here in the states, uh, I know in Canada the gun laws are a little bit different, but down here in the states, uh, you do that and you might get shot. <laughs> yeah, for sure. If you're like in Texas or something, yeah, 
<laughs> or Oregon or Washington. I'm telling you, <laughs> you don't want to. Oh, really? You don't want to. You just get somebody who. Uh, uh, some I know with these. Uh, I know with the BFRO, they don't encourage bringing guns out and and, and whatnot. But you know, you just you can't. Uh, you don't pat down everybody, and uh, you get you know yeah. uh, someone trying to do something wrong scenario, and you get somebody who gets freaked out. Well, you do mm-hmm. not want to be uh-huh. the hoaxer, and I've never seen um, anything like that. And I know Gunner, who was a former BFRO uh, member. Uh, he's been involved on a ton of expeditions. Uh, Gunner, have you ever seen anything, um, you know, any, no, I've not, any hoaxing yeah. going on? Not, no, nothing that I've, you know, I've heard, I heard rumors of stuff, but, but in my personal experience, nothing that, and, and you got to put the context that, of your experience, you know, Chris is the person that was there. You, you know what the terrain was like, you know, you know, uh, and, and the way you described it, it did not sound like a scenario where somebody was out running around in the woods, you know. Yeah. So, um, it, uh, every, it, the, the problem with audio, you know, audio evidence is that it's the most open to interpretation. We don't know until we, unless we see what the source is. Um, all right. we can do is take, you know, it, it's it's anecdotal. It's a cool experience, and and uh, but it it adds to the another piece to the puzzle. And if you have you know what a behavior that that um, mimics mimics known animals, and uh, and it doesn't fall in under you know what known animals are in the area you're with, um, it it just lends it makes an interesting another piece of the puzzle. Because I mean, the, the behavior you're describing is it's either human or or something else, because it's not you know that's not bear behavior, that's not that's not deer behavior, it's not moose behavior. So I mean, it's you know it it's unlikely. It so it falls into one of two things basically. So that's where you're dealing with you know exclusionary evidence, evidence that basically excludes a bunch of animals you were left with this or that. So, yeah. So Chris, as you're, uh, I mean, you've studied anthropology. How, how does, how do you utilize that in your, your research and, and your investigations with the BFRO? Uh, it's helping me with, uh, just, uh, just looking at different theories and, uh, like some things that stand out to me, like just, and not even anthrop- an- like anthropology related, but like, um, for example, like um, the gorilla at one point was a myth, you know, the lowland gorilla, until they actually found it in the Congo. Uh, same with um, uh, the giant panda. It was a myth in China for hundreds and hundreds of years until they finally saw one, actually. And then all of a sudden, it's a real thing. But, you know, for hundreds of years, it was written down in books as, as a myth, a mythical creature. And so as far as uh, anthropology goes, uh, I've got to study a lot about um, the different, how, just how we evolved and the different, um, different homo uh, species that, that were around millions and millions of years ago. And just through studying that, uh, I can't deny that, the, that there's a chance that it's possible that perhaps it could be Gigantopithecus blackie that's that somehow survived 
and evolved alongside and is still um, existing today. Cool. Um, so you're currently still investigating um, BFR reports. What you, And you must see the, the flats area. You see the reports that are coming in raw in, in uh, yeah. Ontario and the surrounding ter- territories there or uh, provinces. What what kind of numbers do you get see up in in uh, your area? Um, recently, as far as like credible uh, credible sightings, not too many. Uh, they seem to be more out up north. Um, we've had some pretty credible uh, sightings in the Lake Superior area. Um, I did an expedition out there for a couple of weeks. Um, the area is just beautiful, um, but we never, we didn't see anything or nothing really stuck out. Um, but yeah, um, there's, there's a lot of reports that, that come through the flats and, uh, some are, you know, I'm, I'm not sure if you guys know, like some are kind of, you know, wonky and maybe not that credible. And then there are, there are some that you run into that are, that are very interesting and uh, the only thing is it's, it's, it's hard to, to get to a place that's really up north if I've got to drive like 10 hours up north. And, uh, <laughs> right. It's not that, uh, it's not that accessible because Ontario is, is just massive. When, and you said you're, you spend most of your time in Toronto, which is, I mean, certainly not Sasquatch territory. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So. <laughs> yeah, there's no, there's no Sasquatch here. <laughs> You know, Chris, do you do you in in your research and um, what you've been investigating? Do you have any lenience as to what Sasquatch may be? Do you, I mean, do you? Uh, and this comes from chat from um, from Bruce Kelly. Uh, do you lean? Do you have any lenience towards what Sasquatch may be as as far as is it a hominid or a pungid? Uh, do you have any preference there or any ideas? Yeah, like to be honest, like I honestly feel that it, it's possible that it's Gigantopithecus blackie. And uh-huh. um, maybe, because I know that uh, Gigantopithecus was a more of a, it walked also bipedally, but was mostly on all fours. Mm-hmm. And I think through evolution, it's possible that it could have just, you know, maybe started walking upright or maybe even it's a, a subspecies of Gigantopithecus that right. evolved into whatever Sasquatch is. And um, so as far as that goes, that would be my theory. Um, like, um, I'm sure you guys know of Grover Krantz and, and his theories. Oh, yeah. um, I, I strongly feel that, like, uh, I think Grover Krantz was onto something and, and, and uh with it being Gigantopithecus. Maybe it's not exactly that species of Gigantopithecus. Right. Because um, they, they found um, at the apothecary shops, right, in China, the, the giant teeth that right. they were grinding to make, to make tea with. Uh, so, yeah, we know that they were around, um, and we find fish that have been uh, allegedly or supposedly... Uh, you know, extinct for millions of years, like the coelacanth, and we find them. So who's to say that uh, Sasquatch isn't out there? 
Yeah, you know what? Great point. Great point, Chris. And what drives me nuts is uh, the fact that people go like what we like. We know so much about Gigantopithecus. We really know dilly squat about Gigantopithecus. And when you mention that, people, a lot of people will shun it and go, "Oh, you know, it, you know, this and that." But the thing is, you know, what it was an offshoot of Gigantopithecus. The the fossil record is so uh, <laughs> so incomplete. Incomplete. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Incomplete. Okay. It's ridiculous. You know, people get so stuck up on uh, these these words or the, these species, uh, Gigantopithecus, and I, I think Grover Krantz would probably agree uh, yeah. <laughs> that you know when you mention Gigantopithecus, you're really talking about a broader a broader spectrum in species and hominid. You know that uh, we could be dealing with an offshoot, uh, something that was paralleling. We don't know, but. Don't get stuck up on the word Gigantopithecus. And, and, and for those out there, I mean, quite honestly, we, we know so little, little about Gigantopithecus uh, that uh, there, you can't really make a, a real good um, uh, hypothesis on exactly how it, it, its locomotion was, how it moved. I mean, so yeah. but I, the fossil record is so incomplete. We, I, I love to think, you know, and I love to think this, and this is just something I like to mess with around my head, is that we, we just have discovered uh, a completely new species, something uh, so unique, yet uh, in the fossil record or, um, well, out there. Um, I know Sasquatch is out there. I, I know it is. What it is, I don't know. I don't know, and I won't claim to know. I only mm-hmm. go off uh, what I've recorded, seen, and, and, and experienced. But, uh, no, that's a great point. Uh, but the Gigantopithecus um, theory is as good as any in my book. Yeah, for sure. Um, and like you said, uh, people latch onto that word and, and think, okay, then you're you're saying that that's what it is. But uh, for the most part, I think the only thing they actually found was just the mandible of its jaw, right? And and they're and they made uh, just recreations from that. But who's to say that um, you know there's uh, there's more to it, right? So right. like you said, there's there's very little that we actually know. And, uh, yeah, and that, that drives me and, and makes me feel like, yeah, it's, it's possible because there's, there's so much out there that we don't know and uh, that we need to find out first. No, exactly, exactly. And, and it's just like the, the Bigfoot puzzle. Uh, we only have a few um, tidbits to the Bigfoot puzzle, in my opinion. You know, you got some interesting film. you got uh, uh, impressions and tracks. Uh, you got yeah. some interesting hair finds, uh, and you got in- definitely uh, anecdotal stories and encounters, such as my own and yours. Um, so much more to be discovered, and and one really needs to look at the reason why. You know, people get once again tied up. Well, why haven't we discovered a body, and why we haven't done this and that? You know, I mean, uh, I know I can tell you a good reason why a body's not been discovered or bones discovered in Oregon and Washington, North California, but in Canada, I'm sure it's um, pretty similar, uh, you know, uh, in the fact that things happen to bodies and bones out there, you know, am I correct? I mean, things just disappear quickly. Yeah, like, uh, I've seen, uh, they, they, they did, like, uh, they put a camera on top of, like, a deer, and then a, a, a dead deer, and within, like, two weeks, it was completely gone like you know they and they 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 captured like all the little critters coming to pick it up like a skunk came and took like its one leg and you know what i mean like um yeah like things the things go dip, uh 
they go missing in the wild because there's all these creatures coming out to uh, to feed because they got to eat too, right? Yeah, and and you got the acidity in 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 the in the soil. Um, and you know, most, uh, creatures, when they go to die, they die in remote places. Uh, you know, yeah, I, I cats and, and dogs do that. They just disappear. Um, and, uh, but a lot's got to be said about where, if you look at maps, um, nationally, both in, in North American continent, um, where Sasquatch is seen, it's in these, in these forests and, and a lot of these forests got a lot of rain. That's why there's forests there. And so... Yeah. And if we truly, you know, if Sasquatch is around, in my opinion, which it is, but I don't believe there's, um, I, I think they're that rare. Um, they they survive, but they're rare. I mean, do you believe there's, uh, in your head, Chris, do you believe there's, do you have a number in your head? I mean, I don't, uh, but I, I like yeah, to think I know. that these are rare. I struggle with that. Yeah. Because I hear people saying, you know, 1,000, 2,000. I've heard some some say 7,000, 8,000. I, I don't know. Like, I, it's hard for that. How do you, how do these people come up with these numbers anyway? Um, to me, you know, I know there's not one, you know, there's not like Patty just running around, you know, uh, and people taking pictures of it if they could. Uh, like, yeah, I, I, I try to pick, I can't come up with a number because uh, it's, it's too hard to, like, yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> in Ontario, I don't know. Like, people ask me this all the time, and like, I, I feel that they they are here, but as far as putting a number, like, uh, it would be hard to say. Extremely difficult and premature. Uh, I just don't think we're there yet. I don't think we'll maybe we'll never get there. I don't know. But Chris, with your your research, you've been at this, you know, what ten ten plus years or so. With your approach or excuse me, what is your approach to research in, in and out of the field? I mean, what are you, what are some of your techniques when you go out to the field, when you have a chance and you go out with the BFRO and whatnot? Do you have your own personal techniques? I mean, are you the type of guy who will go out there and do yells and calls and knocks? or, or uh, And what's your approach and what's your idea of, of research in the woods? Yeah, so before I used to do all that uh, hooting and hollering and screaming and tree knocks and all that stuff. Um, I still kind of do it just to see, you know, if I get a response or anything like that, but I've kind of moved away from that and just try to look at it more scientifically and more like, is it possible that a creature could survive here? And then look at, you know, is there food there? Um, You know, just the environment and yeah, I I, I try to look at it outside and not because, um, I've been with a bunch of investigators who are really into that kind of stuff. And right. it could get a little annoying. Um, but, um, yeah, like, so I, I know some of those techniques could work. Like, I, I've heard tree knocks, um, but I don't know what to make of it, right? Like, maybe, it, maybe exactly. it's them, maybe it's not. Maybe it's a woodpecker. You know, uh, I don't know. <laughs> it's just <laughs> when I do, when people who, like, investigators who are really into that stuff, it just creates more questions and more like, oh, what was that? Like, for a show, it's really good. But, like, as far as, like, in a, a scientific <laughs> approach uh, with that stuff, it's, it's hard to really, you know, go about it that way. Right. No, I, I agree I think with you. you um, I think you, you do get responses sometimes. I mean, and you get, you know, uh, but, like you said, as as a way of it, – it's not going to – 
prove Bigfoot one way or the other by them by going out and knocking exactly. on trees and yeah, yeah. unless it, that's how unless you unless you then unless you can then you know get them to come and eat it out of your hand or or you uh, you know <laughs> can get get them get them to walk in front of my camera that way which has yeah. yet has proven uh, and difficult to do so definitely for sure Chris how is um how is Sasquatch perceived in in Canada? You know, I know what it, you know, in the United States here, it's kind of a phenomenon, and it's really grown because of shows like Finding Bigfoot and, and these other shows out there, um, and and a lot of people take it as a joke, which I always have, right? But um, it's also brought a, a lot of awareness to it, and a lot of people are more perceptive to the idea that Sasquatch could exist. Uh, but wh- how is it perceived in Canada? I mean. Um, are you the type of person that can talk about uh, Sasquatch openly, or do you even care? Um, I don't. I don't care because whatever. It's, I this is something I believe in, so I'm not going to shy away from it. But um, I feel like Can- Canadians are more open to it. Like, for example, the 2010 Olympics in Vancouver. Like one of the mascots was a Sasquatch. It was Quachi. Right. Yeah. And uh, yeah, like I, I feel Canada kind of almost accepted Sasquatch as as you know uh, a possibility. But I find most people they're they don't want to attach something like that. That's kind of a lot of people don't believe in it. Right. They think it's just you know hoax, a hoax, or some some kind of you know fairy tale or something. So they right. don't want to put their name to it. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I understand why, but uh, for me, I could care less. Like, I just, I just wish I could see one, and then you know, I could put my mind at ease to know for sure. Yes, it's there. <laughs> right, right. I've had the, I've had the, the fortunate scenario where um, it's, it, I have seen one, and it's, uh, it's moved from belief to knowing now. And, you know, a funny yeah. story real quick. Um, this happened today. I had my father-in-law over, and he was helping. I'm getting ready to sell my house. And my father-in-law was over here, and he was talking about my show. And he's, he's very skeptical, and he wanted to know more about my show and, and my research mm-hmm. and stuff. And he said, you know, the funny thing was, I was, I was and this is my father-in-law speaking, I was uh, hanging out with my brother. And he said, um, they were interested in what I do and, and whatnot. And he said, you know, the funny thing was uh, one of um, my father-in-law's uh, brother's uh, workers, uh, they're contractors, and had said that they were down in Roseburg, which is in Oregon, and they were out hunting or spotting for deer and came across a Sasquatch, and um, uh, it, it made this huge scream and freaked them out. And my father-in-law said, I know this guy, and he's not a liar, and he's not the type of guy that would make up a story. And so he just—I could see the dumbfoundness in his face because he's very skeptical. But knowing that um, he knew this guy that had this encounter, he—he he looked at me like, "Wow, there, there, there may be, and there may be some to this, you know." And he's in his 60s, you know, and uh, so uh, that just happened today. And so it's like, uh, you know, what? And I get this sort of thing all the freaking time, you know, where people. Uh, will come at you going, you know, why haven't we discovered this and why haven't we found bodies? And, and then and then they hear or, or see something. They hear from somebody they trust or they see something while they're in the woods or wherever and 
it kind of rocks their world. And I got that look today <laughs> from my my uh, father-in-law, uh, going, "Wow, you know, I was this was this was interesting." And so, uh, yeah, those are the, the scenarios that I really love uh, because a lot of my family don't believe in Sasquatch, and they think I'm I'm on a Skype chase. You know, I'm chasing uh, you know ghosts or whatnot. But uh, there's these instances like today, and my wife looked at me and was kind of dumbfounded too because it was just a cool experience where my father-in-law was just like, you guys are on to something, uh, and uh, there's something to this. So um, I hope I hope down the road you do get your own um, confirmation with a sighting. Uh, you know, it's it's, it's that's a, a needle in a haystack. It's near impossible, but it can happen, and... Um, you know, I have to ask you, Chris. You know, what's what's going? You know, with research, in your opinion, what is what's going wrong with research? What? Why haven't we found more? Why hasn't science really dived in on this and and looked at this harder? Yeah, I'm not sure what 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 it is exactly, but I think the fact that it's been so long since you know the last you know most credible thing, I guess not even credible, but like you know since Patterson footage, there really hasn't been much as far as footage goes. Like, there's been the Freeman footage and, I don't know, like, the stuff that's come out since then, nothing's been as good. And, um, yeah, so for, like, the most part, I see, like, for me, like, uh, the the scoop of cast is is really interesting. And um, if we could find things more like that, I think science would be more willing to to look into it but because we're, we're not finding things like that um it's it's hard for for people to really actually want to get into it and believe it right what, what are you doing personally though i mean what are you doing personally uh you know i we talked about you know your approach and whatnot but what are you doing personally um when you can obviously this is not a full-time paid job and so it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's a lot of times it's more of a hobby but what yeah. are you doing personally um, I mean, uh, are you science-minded, a science-minded individual when you're out in the field? Uh, what are you doing personally to yeah. uh, see that uh, we can maybe bring this thing to light? Yeah, definitely. I, I try to think of it as most scientifically as possible. Um, because, like, you know, if, if, you're, if you are going to take this thing serious, you have to go about it in a most, you know, scientific approach and not kind of put your own theory in myth. Like, it's good to have that as well, but... Um, because it's such a such a, a different topic, like it's it's almost like taboo to believe in Bigfoot, you know, because it's against everything. Like people who are super religious, they're not going to believe in Bigfoot, you know. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I don't know what it is. Maybe something. Maybe like a and with like technology getting better and better, and everybody having phones, people would you would think that we would have something that's as good as the Patterson-Gimlin footage from back then, but nothing's came around. So I think that the longer it goes, the more people are going to be willing to actually accept it as a real thing. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, I think with technology, uh, different approaches, uh, you know, we, we see this in things outside of Sasquatch where – an idea or something's not been discovered, whether it's uh, an animal or a science and someone new comes along and they just blow your mind. You know, uh, I, I 
once again, we'll bring up Jane Goodall when uh, she was out in the woods, you know, I mean, out in the field in the jungles. Um, yes, we knew chimpanzees existed, but we didn't know much about their behavior. And to find out that they uh, did what they did and everything kind of blew the scientific field uh, off their hinges um, from a layman, uh, someone uh, 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 with not a whole lot of science background. And um, I think uh, it's very um, incredulous to to uh, to put a blind eye on those out there trying to do the right thing scientifically as much as they can. I think that's a, a real shame. I think you're an individual, Chris, that is um, you have the right approach and the right mindset and uh, are uh, 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 a positive to this field. You know, mm-hmm. I really do, and I, I hope um, down the road to hear back from you, and I hope that uh, Canada is an amazing area. It's like the United States in a lot of ways, but there are certain parts of Canada that just scream um, – Sasquatch, uh, some of these really yeah. remote areas. As much as you know, uh, areas there's certain areas in China. When you know, what are your thoughts on like um, the Yaren and the Oran Pendic? You know, Cliff Berrickman. I don't know if you've had any contact with Cliff Berrickman, but uh, you know he's working on. You know he's he's a multifaceted individual. He's working on the Oran Pendic uh, in Sumatra and whatnot. And you got. Things uh, like the Yaren out there. What are your thoughts on like the Yaren and the Oran Pendnik being actual, maybe not even Sasquatch, but maybe something else? Yeah, maybe a living. it's yeah. very interesting how that because um, they're obviously you know a primate or a family part of a branch of uh, uh, a primate, but um, yeah, like the 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 prints that they leave are much different than um, than the ones of that we find in North America. So it's, it's, it's interesting that, you know, they, in that area, they have something that, you know, that's similar to what, what we claim is around. So I don't know. It's, it, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's super interesting. And I, I've covered a couple of, um, reports from China, just looking into them through the, the flats on BFRO and, um, yeah, some of them are kind of interesting. Some of them seem a little hoaxy, but um, yeah, it's it's interesting how the, they also they them too have uh, something like like what we have. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I know uh, Cliff's uh, got a lot of boots on the ground in Sumatra, looking for their appendix and sending him cast impressions. Whatnot. It's it's a. Uh, I have a good feeling that uh, whatever's going on there with the Iran pending maybe discovered before Sasquatch. It just seems <clears throat> something big's going on there and, and uh it, it I won't call it a Sasquatch, it's another uh, primate or hominid. I don't know, but it's very interesting. <clears throat> you know, having said that, you know, um what's what's in your future um as far as uh do you have any outings planned, any uh expeditions, any research ideas planned um down the road here? What's in your future? Uh, I was planning on running an expedition uh, this, this this summer, but then um, a bunch of stuff I had to take care of, so I wasn't able to, to allocate time to do that. But, um, yeah, I would like to run my own expedition sometime within, within Ontario. It's just um, getting a large group up there or even just a group and, you know, making sure everybody's safe because – it's pretty bushy up where I would like to go and, and do research, so um, I got I got to plan out accordingly and and, and uh, do more do more work into that. 
Are you a, are you the, the sort of person, Chris, that uh, you like larger groups down the, the field, or do you think smaller groups have a better chance of uh, um, getting stuff done? You know, I'm, I'd like to bring me me personally. I love to have women involved. I don't know if there's anything to that, um, but I lean towards the fact that there may be something towards having um, women or and not just for their brains and everything else, uh, but just having a female presence in the field. Do you have any preference there or, or any any anything you could add to that? Um, yeah, as far as group size, I would prefer a smaller group just because it's easier to manage. Um, but then again, in a larger group, you can cover a little bit more ground. Um, but, um, yeah, uh, when going out, I would like to have a smaller group so that I don't know. I feel like if something is out there and then we're we're kind of, you know, coming onto their territory, they're going to know we're there. And the more people there is, they might get spooked and they maybe they might not want to show themselves. Right. Um, and as far as having um, females, I, I definitely agree with that. Um, like, I would bring my girlfriend up um, up north just to go on, you know, our own solo expedition. And I would tell her, I'm bringing you because I feel like if Sasquatch sees you or smells you, it's probably going to get be curious and maybe we'll have a better chance of, of encountering one with you there. And uh, I, wasn't, I wasn't even joking. You know, I, I honestly feel that. Because that, uh, I've heard stories that um, Sasquatch has been interested in, like, in, like, the sounds of children playing and stuff like that. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. you know, um, yeah, I think there's something to that. Definitely. Yeah, you know, it's amazing you brought up that, you know, uh, I, I think a lot of times, you know, when you look at reports and encounters, especially with those camping, um, they're just camping, and they have a sighting or, or an encounter, and usually, you know, I mean, if you look at most campers, especially groups of people, they're out there, they're having a good time, they're laughing, they're uh, they're not out Bigfooting, they're not out Sasquatch, you know, looking for Sasquatch, they're just making a lot of noise, having a good time. Yep. They're a real, a real point of interest. And I think it's the same thing, you know, with these reports and uh, hypotheses with kids involved, the laughing and stuff. I think it's the same thing. I think it's just kids are out there having a good time laughing, they're making a lot of noise, and and uh, Sasquatch is like, well, what's all this ruckus? What's all this uh, yeah. laughing and noise, you know, and hackling, you know? I mean, who knows what our noise our, and our voices sound like to a Sasquatch, you know, uh, right. when you're not, when, you, when you're, you know, whispering and whatnot, not as intriguing as when you're just out there having a few beers, laughing around a campfire or kids out there playing, you know, uh, running around playing tag. Those sort of things are interesting. You know, you're probably going to check it out if you're a Sasquatch in the area, if you're intrigued to do so. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. But, uh, <clears throat> well, Gunner, um, what a, a fantastic show. Uh, one one quick question for you, um, kind of last-minute question before we wrap things up here is, in Ontario, uh, Chris, what do you see as a hotspot in Ontario? You, up nor- northwest or? Yeah, so like I said earlier, uh, northwestern Ontario in the Kenora region, uh, Sioux, Sioux Lookout, Sioux Falls, there's like, there's so much land up there, it's, it's ridiculous, but... Um, I, f- I find most of the encounters and, and the reports, they come from, like, the Native community. And, and, and not that, you know, they're going to embellish or, you know, try to say, oh, Sasquatches exist. But um, some of these reports, they're just, 
these people don't have any reason to, to be lying about something like this. And, um, yeah, just looking at the terrain and, 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 and everything around there, I believe it's completely possible that, you know, Sasquatch exists and he's, it's thriving within the, the forests of northern Ontario and it's doing just fine without, you know, human interaction. Well, Chris, we, we want to thank you for joining us today and uh, hope to hear more about your Bigfooting adventures in the, the future. Is there any last parting words you'd like to share before we sign off? No, uh, just uh, thank you very much for having me. I appreciate it. And, uh, yeah, I'll uh, hope to talk to you guys soon, and uh, maybe I'll uh, have more uh, more to tell the next time. All right. Thanks, Chris. Thank you, guys. Well, Shane, I'd like to thank our Monster X listeners today for uh, joining us. And, uh, again, Shane and I will be uh, on the road next week at uh, – what is it called? Beachfoot. That's right, where we will uh, be hanging out with uh, Mr. Henry May, for one, and uh, many other outstanding Bigfooters. I look forward to it, and uh, we will be uh, we will have a show next Sunday, so don't worry about that. But uh, in the meantime, uh, have a great week, and look forward again. If you're going to be in uh, the, the Eugene, Oregon area, um, on August 19th, you can join me at the uh, Eugene Emeralds baseball game, um, and uh, we can uh, chat and shake hands and meet in person. be awesome. Thanks again to my co-host, Shane, and uh, have a great week for Monster X. We will talk to you soon. Mm-hmm.